This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai people. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hi, welcome to the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Learning Exchange, a podcast dedicated to showcasing some of the innovative research and practice taking place across our region. I'm Dr. Chloe Benson from Federation University Australia, and over the coming months, I will be sitting down with a series of practitioners, researchers, and members of our community who are working to improve the well-being of Gippsland's children and youth. Through these conversations, we hope to shine a light on some of the challenges, but also the many innovations, opportunities, and exciting projects that are going on in our communities. By sharing these stories, we aim to spark dialogue, to foster connections and networks, and ultimately, to contribute to improved outcomes across the inner Gippsland children and youth sector. In this episode, I speak to Alison Fonseca, one of the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnership PhD candidates, about her research into helping professionals' perspectives on the impact of work-related traumatic stress and its transmission to the relationships with their children. As discussed in previous episodes, the Higher Degree by Research program that Alison's work has emerged from was initiated by Federation University and the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnership in 2015. This program was designed to help address the issues facing young people and their families in the Inner Gippsland region, which includes the four local government areas of Borbor, Bass Coast, Latrobe City and South Gippsland. Alison's PhD research examines helping professionals' perspectives on work-related traumatic stress and the ways that this may impact their relationships with their children. As we discuss in our chat, one of the interesting aspects of Alison's work is the way that it expands or offers reflection on what we actually mean when we refer to helping professionals or reference work-related traumatic stress. I sat down with Alison to find out more about how helping professionals view the impact of work-related traumatic stress and its transmission to the relationships with their children, as well as what insights this can provide into how we think about and understand trauma and work. Alison, welcome to the podcast. To kick things off, are you able to share a bit about your background and experience in sectors that provide services to families with children and youth? Sure. Thank you, Chloe. I'm a registered psychologist and I moved to Gippsland in 1994. In that time, I've worked for disability services and I have done a lot of work with families in which they've reported trauma. So working with adults and children and infants in services like Centre Against Sexual Assault. Um, I've worked in Headspace. I've had some time at local council level with um, maternal and child health services and currently working also in a pro bono role with first responders and police who have experienced work-related trauma. So it's kind of given me a really nice experience of community-based work and I've also had some time in private practice as well so working with GPs and solicitors and people who are referring um, for a very different range of reasons. 
Wonderful. So it sounds like you've got quite a broad sort of experience across uh, these sectors, which obviously is relevant to the work that you're doing, which we're focusing on in today's episode. Are you able to tell us a bit more about your research and I guess how this project has developed? Sure. So I became aware of the opportunity to apply for a scholarship through my work in the community. And it really appealed to me because it felt like I could contribute something practical back into the environments that I had been working in. What I noticed, particularly working in uh, services where there have been a lot of people in reporting trauma, that the staff that were actually working in those services were quite differently supported, if you like. So within their different organisations, there was um, some support that was related to particular service providers. There were other supports that were not in other organisations. And it seemed to me like the workers themselves were talking quite a lot about how difficult the service system was, I guess, and the amount of change. And they couldn't really spend a lot of time doing the work that they felt was needed. So when this opportunity came up, it seemed to me like a a great way to use my experience, but also to think about, well, what might need to be done to um, support the workforce as well. So that's certainly like born directly from my work experience. And since then, it's, it's really resonated, I think, with the workforce. It's been taken up with a lot of interest. So your work is focusing on the workforce in this space. Are you able to help give our listeners a bit of context? I guess starting broadly, we're talking about helping professionals. Who are helping professionals? That's a really good question because when I did some scoping around the the research question, I realised that some occupations are considered, you know, um, helping professionals. Others are referred to as clinicians and human services practitioners, community services workers. And it seemed to me like there are also groups of people in organisations working in administrative roles, reception roles, for example, transport workers who were also in helping roles, but were not always seen as perhaps needing some of the supports that they were asking for. So I decided in this research to to think about helping professionals very broadly. So not necessarily nurses and doctors and counsellors only, or, you know, first responders, but people who were in management roles, perhaps, um, who were in finance, corporate type roles, because they were also telling me that they were exposed to types of trauma. So I kept it as a very broad definition and it was anyone who was working in a um, in these particular service sectors who considered themselves in a helping role and who was working in an unpaid or paid position. Okay, so that gives us a nice sense of what we mean by helping professionals broadly, I guess, but also the you know the types of helping professionals that you were looking at. One of the other aspects of, of your research that I think is useful to get some context around is this idea of work-related traumatic stress. So are you able to explain to us what is meant by work-related traumatic stress and I guess why this is particularly relevant to the helping professionals that you've spoken to? When I looked at the literature to support um, the scoping that I was doing, a lot of the the trauma-related literature was talking about a medical model of distress, if you like. It was very much around post-traumatic stress disorder within a psychiatric classification context. And that's extremely relevant. You know, people do sustain that kind of mental health concern in their work. What I thought about was 
this is not really what people are telling me on the ground that encompasses how they perceive work-related trauma. They weren't talking about critical incidents. They weren't talking necessarily only about occupational trauma that's incurred as a result of their work. They were talking about the ways in which they worked, some of the, the things that happened to them in the course of their work, which didn't quite meet those diagnostic categorizations of mental health problems. So I, I thought again about how can we conceptualize this so it's a wider net. And so I, I really just asked people in, a, in one of the, the questions that I put in a survey was, how do you rate your agreement or do you rate your agreement in relation to the concept of work-related trauma being just a high level of distress? And most people absolutely agreed with that. So it didn't require, for example, a, a diagnosis of depression or anxiety. It wasn't about being on work cover or it wasn't to do with needing a medical certificate. It was your perception of how this work feels for you. Alison's work highlights the usefulness and importance of rethinking the very ways that we understand and define terms like helping professionals and trauma. But in addition to this, her research offers insights into how helping professionals view the impact their work-related trauma has on their relationships with their children. I asked Alison why her work focuses on this issue and why better understanding this impact is so important. So I am very interested in infant mental health and early childhood development and there's a very strong body of literature which talks about the links between parental capacity to um, engage with their children and the quality of that parent-child relationship as being very important to the child's health outcomes. So whilst there's a primary relationship there that's incredibly important, it also recognises that there's lots of other relationships in that child's world which also contribute to their well-being. What I thought about was when I talked to these workers who had children, why are we not thinking necessarily about their experiences? And I looked at the literature and there's very little written about the workers' children themselves. And there's intergenerational research around First Nation cultures, if you like, in terms of the legacy of colonisation. There's also literature around Holocaust survivors and people who have had experiences through just very difficult experiences in communities that have then become sort of part of the legacy or the story of, of families. Very little again about the children of helping professionals. So given that this scholarship was around child and youth vulnerability, it seemed to me to be a really relevant topic to think about. Because if we don't, perhaps the risks are that we're not capturing what works really well, for example. You know, maybe there is something about what helping professionals know who are parents that we can learn from in terms of how resilient children may be in their families or how they manage their work-related trauma. And perhaps on the flip side, there may be things that we can support those families with to make sure that the work that they're doing, which is in the service of the broader community, is also supported in a way which means that they are not, I guess, going home and taking those negative aspects of their work with them. Now, I know that the Inner Gippsland Children and Youth Area Partnership uh, PhD topics are largely, well, 
wholly place-based uh, and that there is this really specific focus on the Gippsland region. The research that you're doing, do you think that this is something that's specific to Gippsland or regional areas or that there are particular kind of unique qualities associated with this uh, focus in a regional space? Uh, or I guess, do you think this is sort of similar across different areas? I think that's a very good question. I do believe that there are findings from this research that can certainly be generalised across um, many uh, communities of, of workforces. I think that the challenges of working in a regional area, like Gippsland for example, means that if you're a helping professional it may be quite difficult for you to seek support. It may be that you don't have access to services that allow you the same privacy and confidentiality perhaps as another member of the community. It may be that you're work makes you very public in the community and it might feel difficult to seek supports locally. I think in regional areas when you have a dual relationship for example so the person that you might be seeking help from could be related to you or it could be someone that you know very well it can create some difficulties. At the same time it may mean that you actually get a really great service as well so I do think there are some peculiarities that might be relevant to regional Victoria for sure. So let's start to talk a little bit more about the, the research. What stage of your project are you at at the moment? I've collected my data and I'm still analysing it and finding lots of very interesting themes. So I had designed it so that it was a mixed methods research study, in other words, using a quantitative and a qualitative approach. So I did a workforce survey to start with, and the idea of that was to just do a very broad sweeping set of questions that people could do very quickly because they are very busy and their work environments are very challenging. And the idea was to collect data that would inform the next stage of the qualitative interviews. My interest in, in, in that was also around signposting, I guess. So looking at where, what are people telling us about their experiences? Because this data hasn't been collected in Gippsland. And so it was almost as if we were starting from scratch and I needed to really understand, is work-related trauma what... I'm thinking it might be, do people agree or disagree, Who who's impacted or not. So that was the start of it. And I also then informed the survey questions, uh, sorry, the interview questions after that from the survey data. And I did 10 semi-structured interviews. So I'm analysing that data, trying to combine it and make sense of it in a narrative story, I guess, a context where we can describe because the lived experience of workers is not evident in the literature. So a lot of what is available talks about the measurement of symptoms or the measurement of risk or solutions to workplace injury, which is very valuable. The actual accounts from people themselves about what this means to them and to their children is missing. So that was, that was important to capture. In terms of the findings, what I was very pleased about was 323 people responded wow. to the survey and that's a really interesting thing in itself because clearly it resonated with a, a wide group of people and I can talk a bit more about the the, the findings yeah, of the yeah, survey if, if you're interested. Yeah. So some of the key things that came up were initially around the impacts so people did 
perceive themselves as having experienced work-related trauma. In fact, 80% of the people who responded wow. suggested that that was their experience. Um, I asked about emotional trauma. 90% of that group said that they'd experienced emotional trauma. 20% sexual trauma of some sort. 85% verbal trauma and 42% physical. So this is specifically related to work. It doesn't take into account trauma that may have been incurred outside of the workplace or in childhood, for example. Keeping that in mind, of course, we understand that those impacts can affect and do affect a, a big part of people's lives. So it's not easy to separate, but I was particularly interested in what the nature of the, the work brings to children's experiences. The other thing that came up, of course, was that it was a fairly representative sample um, in relation to the helping professions because the vast majority of people who responded are female and, and typically that's what we see in, in these professions. And Interestingly, um, the roles, the work roles that were most affected were people who worked in a clinical role with clients, which makes sense. Education, so an educator role was something that came up consistently in, in the top five. A non-clinical role, so people who worked in contact with patients but not necessarily providing direct services of a clinical nature. So they might be people working in a hospital environment, for example, who might be supporting a patient in their stay but not necessarily involved with them directly. Middle management was another one and administration was another one. So, so it kind of bore out what I'd suspected, which was that people in those other corporate functions do have some needs that perhaps we're not addressing. And the services that these um, people were employed in consistently, again, across all these trauma types, the top five were children, youth and family, education and training, mental health um, and health services and community services. So some of those were to be expected, but I think certainly the, um, the administration and middle management was of interest and certainly the um, education sector certainly popped up quite often. So those were um, of interest. Um, that was the part of this, the research which was saying what is actually happening in these sectors. In relation to people who have children, about half of the people who answered the survey had children and they went on to answer a, a set of questions. I asked parents to let me know what they thought about their relationships with their children and very consistently parents were saying look we do think yes work-related trauma does impact on how we see our children and, and in the areas of for example being interested in their activities, being around them, just enjoying being around them, being concerned for their safety, spending time with them and being able to think of the child as a person in their own right, you know, because sometimes we are overwhelmed, we might not actually see the person as a person with their own mind. And that's very important for ch children's development, because in that way, they get to understand that they have a sense of agency and they are um, able to be in relationships as a person in their own right. And when I asked these same parents to talk about what their children might think of these same areas, rather than perhaps saying, well, I don't know what my children would think because they're a person in their own right. All parents consistently talked about 
their children would say, no, my parent is interested in my activities. My parent does enjoy being around me. My parent is concerned for my safety. My parent would spend time with me and my parent does think of me having my own mind. So this says to me, possibly, that we as helping professionals may need for our children to know this and we want our children to believe this and we need for our children to have this um, perception of our relationships but we're not really necessarily knowing or able to know what they really do think about it because it might be challenging it might be really confronting for us so that's one aspect that needs further teasing out in terms of the research when i talked with people about this same dilemma if you like in interviews they were really clear that trauma that they feel through their work and is um, incurred at work does impact their children and they talked about the different ways that it does and it, it seemed to be that it was a reason for parents to talk with children about the world and how to be safe and how to be in respectful relationships and how to be very thankful I guess and uh, feel that they needed to give back because other people didn't have as much. And so this idea, I think, of people at work who are parents being exposed to you know, very difficult circumstances, people who've had significant um, things happen to them, but also in their workplaces, feeling perhaps not as supported as they could be at times or feeling as if they're not able to work the way they want to. And then going home and thinking, how do I really want my world to be when I'm at home. I need it to be perhaps a bit separate from that. I need for my children perhaps to be a bit sheltered from that. And I, I think these are all very adaptive things. It's about how we interpret our situations and and what we learn from that and then what we want to give to our children. As to whether or not that's more, more helpful for the child is another question. And I think that's part of the ongoing research that could happen post this, you know, being completed is what what are the impacts of that ultimately? Because it seemed to me that parents have different ways of responding to that workplace trauma, but we're not really sure what it means for the child. They agree that they do bring some of it in, and I think they try to correct for it a little bit. So there's some sense of self-regulation, I think, trying to make sense of something that's really overwhelming or feels difficult. But then in the, in the way that they relate to their children... Um, and how they want those relationships to be. In a sense, it's kind of processing that trauma as well and transforming it into some kind of perhaps some lesson for themselves and for their children. Clearly, you're already that step ahead and thinking of, okay, well, this research is telling us that we need to do the next lot of research. I know you are still in the process of, of working uh, on this project, so it's it's not completed yet. But I wonder, I mean, you've already shared a number of the findings that have started to emerge. Do you have any thoughts on how you'd like to see these findings implemented? Sure. I, I think there's a lot that rests with the system that people work in because the individuals who are employed to provide services, whether it's a manager who you know has access to information that can't be shared with other people or the HR person who you know is in, in a very difficult scenario because they know the people that are being impacted by... Um, decisions that are being made or they can't do much about those things or the worker who is going from client to client to client and, and finding it very difficult to relate to their peers and needing that I think I think it's really important that 
those people are supported to do their work and that there are structures in place to understand the impacts of the work that are not necessarily PTSD or something very obviously wrong, if you like. It's those subtle, more nuanced kind of understandings of workers' experience that I think we're looking at. And so whose responsibility is that? The themes that came out in the interviews that I've analysed so far were very clear. They were, you know, we are traumatised at work. The systems in which we work generate traumatic stress as impactful as the job itself. And we experience helplessness to to some degree. And we worry about the ways we relate to our children because of our experiences at work. So I think that whilst the findings are yet to be further understood and the impacts of those things are yet to be understood, I, I would like from, as a community of workers to think beyond trauma as an adverse outcome only for a start to be thinking about what can we learn from people who are experiencing this sort of more ongoing state of vulnerability if you like and how do we how do we understand that and those impacts and then to perhaps have the the service system respond collectively through the structures the processes the policies perhaps that underpin the work because it's not again about the work itself it's, it's about how people work. So perhaps some working parties might be able to be established because I do think that if we're looking at regional workforces and retention issues and, you know, wanting to have employers of choice, then maybe we actually think about how can we attract people because of the way we work, not because of the organisation only and what it offers. That there's a workforce here that's particularly well-trained and and supported and understands and believes that they're understood in their experience of their work may be very broadly more helpful in terms of retaining and attracting people to the region. What have been the highlights of this research project for you? So have you had any particular opportunities, experiences, breakthroughs, that kind of thing? I have to say um, that it's been an absolute privilege to listen to people directly. The experience of sitting down with helping professionals who are not always able to talk freely because of some of the barriers that I talked about before, who are not always able to talk freely with others about their experience. And it wasn't a therapeutic context. It was a a, a really nice space in which it was structured, but it was that people could not necessarily feel that there was an outcome that they were responsible for, that there was going to be some kind of punitive or judgmental or whatever um, lens looked through. So I I felt that I was witness to some very important information and I think that was definitely a privilege. So that was a highlight. I think the number of people that responded to the survey was just such a great way, I think, of confirming that this was something that needed to be looked at. So definitely the uptake of the survey. And I think the idea that when, you know, you talk with people about the topic, there's almost like an instantaneous recognition of that's really interesting and I hadn't thought about that before. So I'm curious about the ways that it is resonating and why that is and and whether it's that people haven't had a chance to have that conversation and even just being able to have the conversation has been really enlightening as a researcher but also for the, the person who's, you know, being asked. The workforce focused nature of this research means that Alison's work provides a range of useful insights for those working in the helping professions. 
but her experience as a researcher is also useful to reflect on. I asked Alison whether she had any key messages or takeaways for other researchers and practitioners who may be working in this space. I think that my, my key messages in that regard would be as a researcher and as a practicing clinician, I have experienced some quite overwhelming feelings at times. And I think if you are going to do trauma research and you've also worked in the trauma field and you continue to work in the trauma field, it's really important to have good supervision, which I do have. And as, as a researcher, to be really mindful that sometimes your own experiences can get caught up in your interpretation of things. And so to be able to write about those is as important as writing about what you're hearing from other people because it's not so much that it takes away from the independence or the neutrality of the research it actually does contribute a richness as well it's just about how that's managed so that that is is something definitely to be mindful of and the other thing would be for workers I guess themselves and for people in many different roles that you are a helping professional it's not about your training or your level of seniority or your experience that what you do is very relationship based and it's necessarily going to create in you feelings about what you see and and what you're exposed to and to perhaps be mindful of how that's processed because it can be something that is overwhelming at times but it can also be something as I've found through talking with people that it can create in people perspective for themselves about their lives and what works well for them in their families so there is something positive there about the experience of the work and that's very important to keep in mind as well. Those are both really powerful takeaways, I think. So as I mentioned before, you are still working on the project, but you're starting to near the end of the PhD, which is a huge achievement. Uh, What are your plans post-PhD? At this point, I definitely want to continue some clinical work. Um, What I would like to do is to be able to contribute to any learnings that we come to as a result of this PhD, to present them to different workforces, perhaps to do some consulting around ways forward. But I'm very open and I I would definitely be community-based because this is where I live and work and, and this is where I think my commitment is and I would really be keen to continue that. Wonderful. Well, best of luck with all of that and with wrapping up the research. And thanks for joining us, Alison. You're welcome. Thank you.